Chapter 8 of The Call of the Wildflower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. The Call of the Wildflower by Henry Salt. Picking and Stealing. Flower in the crannied wall, I pluck you out of the crannies. Tennyson there is as i have said a positive contempt in many minds for the wild flower that is for the flower which is regarded as being no one's property but the flora of a country rightly considered is very far from being unowned it is the property of the people and when any species is diminished or extirpated the loss is not private but national we have already reached a time as many botanists think when the choicer British flowers need some sort of protection. That some injuries should be caused to our native flora by improved culture, drainage, building, and the extension of towns is inevitable. Though these losses might be considerably lessened if there were a more general regard for natural beauty. But that is all the stronger reason for discountenancing such damage as is done, in mere thoughtless or worse for selfish purposes and it were greatly to be wished that some of the good folk who pray that their hands may be kept from picking and stealing would so far widen the scope of their sympathies as to include the rarer wildflowers it cannot be doubted that there is an immense amount of wasteful flower-picking by children and also by persons who are old enough to know better nothing is commoner in spring than to see piles of freshly gathered hyacinths or cowslips abandoned by the roadside and many other flowers share the same fate, including, as I have noticed, the beautiful green-winged meadow orchis. Trippers and holiday-makers are often very mischievous. I have seen them, for instance, on the ramparts of Conway Castle, hooking and tearing the red valerian, which is an ornament to the grey old walls. I was told by a friend who lives in a district where the rare meadow sage, Salvia pratensis, is native, that he is compelled to pluck the blue flowers just before the august bank holiday in order to save the plant itself from being uprooted and carried off primroses abundant as they still are in many places have nearly disappeared from others in consequence of the depredations of flower vendors and there was a time when they were seriously threatened in the neighbourhood of london because a certain fashionable cult was at its height witness the falling idol of primrose day by some unknown versifier. How blessed was dull old Peter Bell, whom Wordsworth sung in days of yore. A primrose by a river's brim, a yellow primrose was to him, and it was nothing more. Alas, tis something more to us, no longer nature's meekest flower, but symbol of consummate quack, who by all talk and navy snack could plant himself in power. For his sweet sake we mourn each spring, our lanes and hedgerows robbed and bare, our woods despoiled by clumsy clown, that primrose tufts may come to town for tuft hunters to wear. And so, on snobbish primrose day, we envy Peter's simple lore, a primrose worn with fulsome fuss, a yellow primrose is to us. Alas, and something more. The nurseryman and the professional gardener have also much to answer for in the destruction of wildflowers. Take the following instance quoted from The Flora of Kent with reference to the cyclamen. 
towards the end of august eighteen sixty one i was shown the native station of this plant the people in those parts had found out it was in request and had almost entirely extirpated it digging up the roots and selling them for transplantation into shrubberies in the same work it was recorded that when the frog orchis was found in some abundance near canterbury in a wonderfully short space of time the whole of this charming colony was dug and extirpated again if it be permissible to call a spade a spade what shall be said of those roving knights of the trowel the unconscionable rock gardeners who ride abroad in search of some new specimen for their collections a late writer of the very charming books on the subject has feelingly described how after the discovery of some long-sought treasure he craved a brief spell of repose a sort of holy calm before commencing operations we blessed ones he said referring to botanists as contrasted with ornithologists may sit down calmly philosophically beside our success and gently savor all its sweetness until it is time to take out the trowel after half an hour of restful rapture in our laurels other flower fanciers there are who show much less circumspection in upper teasdale where the rare blue gentian gentiana verna is found on the upland pastures i was told that a gentleman had come with two gardeners in a mortar and departed laden with a number of these beautiful alpine flowers for transplantation to his private rockery the nation which permits such a theft far worse than stealing from a private garden deserves to possess no wild flowers at all and such a botanist if botanist he can be called deserves to be himself transplanted or transported to botany bay the same vandalism in varying degrees has been at work in every part of the land and nothing has yet been done effectively to check it whether by legislation education or appeal to public opinion it seems to be absolutely no one's business to protect what ought to be a cherished national possession in no district perhaps has the greed of the collector been more unabashed than among the mountains of cumberland and north wales thanks to the inconsiderate rapacity of the fern-getter wrote canon ronsley in an introduction to a guide to lakeland the few rarer sorts are fast disappearing there has been in the time past quite a cruel and unnecessary uprooting of the rarer ferns and flowers and he went on to ask when will travellers learn that the fern by the wayside has a public duty to fulfil all such remonstrances have hitherto been in vain neither the fear of god nor the fear of man has deterred the collector from his purpose it is pleasant to read that in the seventeenth century a welsh guide alleged the fear of eagles is a reason for not leading one of the earliest english visitors to the haunts of alpine plants on the precipices of carned llewellyn but unfortunately eagles are now as scarce as nurserymen and fern filchers are numerous End of chapter eight